Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, let's just start by, uh, by praying. Father God, we thank you. We celebrate you today. We celebrate you for your faithfulness, Lord. We celebrate you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to listen to your word. Oh, we ask that you would cause your word to really take root in our hearts this morning. We ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would illuminate your word into our hearts, Lord. Father, we ask, Lord, that yeah, you would bring revelation as we, as we listen to this message this morning. And I present myself before you, Lord. I say, use me, Father. May I preach in a manner that you want me to this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the title of my message this morning is uh, Understanding the Seasons of Your Life. But maybe before I get into the message, I just want to wish you all a fantastic Heritage Day. And I know in South Africa, we are celebrating our Heritage Weekend and it comes with a holiday, which is really fantastic. So happy, happy Heritage Day to those of us in South Africa who are celebrating this day, celebrating this weekend. So the title of my message this morning is understanding the seasons of your life. Understanding the seasons of your life. And we know that we do go through various seasons in our lives. And sometimes we enjoy them. Other times we don't really enjoy those seasons. Sometimes they, they, they bring a lot of turmoil in our lives. But today we are going to unpack the whole notion of how do we really understand the seasons of our lives. And so before we get into that, I'm just going to start by defining the term season in itself. So what does it mean when we talk about a season? And I'm going to use the Merriam-Webster dictionary uh, definition of that term season. So season is basically a time characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. It can also be a period of the year characterized or associated with a particular activity or phenomenon. It can also be an indefinite period of time. It can be a period normally characterized by a particular kind of weather, or it can be one of the four quarters into the year in which the year is commonly divided. And I think we know this so well. We know about summer. We know about winter. We know about autumn. We know about, about springs. So, so that's the Merriam-Webster definition of, uh, of season. But I also decided to think through a definition of what it actually means to walk through season or what the term season uh, may mean. So seasons are divinely orchestrated cycles in our lives that if managed with discipline and wisdom have the power to mature and shift us into the next level of our relationship with God. 
So basically what I'm talking about there is that yes, we do go through seasons. We experience different cycles in our lives. But the question is, how well do we manage those specific seasons? Do we manage them with discipline? Do we manage them with wisdom? And what is the end result? Do they mature us? Do they shift us into our next level in terms of our relationship with God? What value do they bring into our life? And that's basically what we're going to be unpacking this morning. And then as I was thinking through this, I came across uh, a poem by um, Valsa George uh, on seasons. It's entitled The Seasons. And I'm just going to share with you um, this, this poem. And I really enjoyed it when I, I read through it. Spring clothes the earth in silk of green and parades her in a rare sheen. Summer gifts the plants with bloom and causes the bees to hum and zoom. Autumn makes the leaves yellow and blesses the season with fruits mellow. Winter brings hail and snow with icy winds that blow and blow. I just thought that's a, a beautiful poem on seasons. And so as we kick off this message, I want us to focus on a, a, a passage of scripture from 1 Chronicles 12. 1 Chronicles 12. And the background to this chapter in the Bible is it talks about, it describes the army of David, the different tribes of Israel that actually came together to crown David as king. And it starts off in verse 23. It says, now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and that came at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of God. But what I really like about this scripture, what impacted me the most about this particular passage of scripture is that the chapter then goes on to describe the different tribes of Israel that came to crown David as king. But for each tribe, what the writer did was that they would describe the specific skill, they would describe the specific value that each tribe added to the army of David. And in verse 32 of 1 Chronicles 12, it goes on to say, Of the sons of Issachar, we had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. So what's interesting in this particular verse is that it describes this tribe of Issachar and it says of them that they had an understanding of the times. Not only did they have an understanding of the times, but they knew exactly what Israel ought to do in a specific period of, period of time. Can you imagine the value that this particular tribe brought to, to David as, as king? The same verse, if you look at it, in the NLT version, it says of the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. So they understood the times, they understood the signs of the times, and they also knew the best course, of Israel, uh, the best course for Israel to take. 
And this is the kind of advice they would give to David. They understood the time so well they advised the king, King David, on the best course of action to take. And then I came across this beautiful uh, translation as well, the, the NCV. It says there were 200 leaders from Issachar. They knew what Israel should do and they knew the right time to do it. So they knew what Israel should do and they knew the right time to do it. How many of you have gone through seasons and situations and times in your life when you know what to do, you kind of like have, have a clear idea of what you should be doing, whether it's in terms of big decisions you, you're making, whether it's even in terms of strategies. Maybe it's a strategy around your career. Maybe it's a strategy around your business. You know what you need to do, but sometimes you just don't know the right time when to do it. So it's one thing to know what to do, but it's another thing to know the exact time to do it. And this tribe of Issachar had this beautiful combo. They knew what Israel should do. They knew the right time to do. And when we talk about time, we, it's referring to opportunities, changes, experiences, whether they are good or bad. And what you would find about this tribe of Issachar is that they were keenly aware of God's history with, his, with Israel and his promises for the future. And because they had that type of knowledge, it actually allowed them to perceive current and future conditions. And not only that, not only did they mark time, but they correctly discerned time's effect on the present world or changing seasons. As a result, they were able to craft appropriate and effective strategies for Israel, for King David. And I can imagine, as I was thinking about this, I can imagine the sons of Issachar today, you know, probably watching some viral news story. Can you imagine? They probably wouldn't yield to fear or anger of a supercharged story attempting to steal their focus. They would have noted patterns throughout recent history and possibly identified the context surrounding the event and more importantly, listened to God's promises and prophetic words about the event. So they were men sage in discernment of the times. They showed political knowledge, men of experience having knowledge of the world. They understood public affairs, the temper of the nation, and the tendencies of the present events, and they showed their wisdom in every season. They had insight. They had discernment. So can you imagine the value that this tribe brought to David personally, and also to his army, and also to the whole of Israel? And as I thought about this tribe, I was like, hey man, can you imagine? If I had like five or six or even just three or four people who were like this tribe, you know, discerning with wisdom, with insight, that would act as my advisors, Ish, I'll probably be somewhere in life. I just want to pose some questions to you. How discerning are we in our generation? How discerning are we in this current generation? How spiritually attuned are we to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to the heart of God regarding what is currently happening, whether it's in our immediate family, whether it's in our church, whether it's in our business, or maybe even in our career? 
or whether it's in our city or nation or continent, how discerning are we as Christians? How discerning are we as the body of Christ? Do we carry ourselves? Do we walk in wisdom, in insight, in the discernment of the Holy Spirit? And more importantly, do we know what to do about it? So even if God were to speak to us about certain strategies concerning our individual lives or maybe concerning your family or your business or your career or your, your, your church or your city or your nation or whatever it may be, do we know what to do about it? So what I just want us to do now is I just want us to um, look at a, a couple of keys that will help us understand the seasons of our lives. So we're just going to look at a few keys uh, to understanding the seasons of our, of our lives. And the first key is that we need to recognize that God works in seasons. That's just how God is wired. Actually, that's why, that's probably the reason why he created seasons anyway. That's why he probably created summer, winter, autumn, spring. God just operates in season. So we need to understand for as long as we are Christians, for as long as we are looking at um, moving our relationship with God to its next level, we need to understand that God works in seasons. I like what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. I just love how Different seasons are outlined in that particular passage of scripture. And even as I was reading that, you're probably thinking, yes, yeah, I've experienced that. We've experienced some of these seasons one time or another in our lives. And if you're sitting there and saying to yourself, well, I haven't really, well, trust me, you will one day. You will experience something um, around what... Um, this passage of scripture is, is talking about. So the whole point is that God is a methodical God. Just as he has carefully planned the climatic seasons of the universe, summer, autumn, winter, spring, he also has ordered our lives in life stages. And for some of you, you know, if, if you speak to developmentalists, they will tell you that basically the lifespan of individuals is generally, you know, divided into more or less nine stages. And these are the prena prenatal development, infancy and toddlerhood, 
early childhood, middle childhood, adolescence, early adulthood, middle adulthood, late adulthood, and then eventually death and dying. Yes, we will all die someday. So you find that each season of development should not be rushed if one is to receive its full benefits. So there are certain expectations that you level at a five-year-old, but you will not have those same expectations on an 18-year-old. So you find that as we develop through life, through the different life stages, each stage has to be fully experienced and should not be rushed if we're to receive the full benefits. So God's desire for us is that we fully understand that he operates within time frames. The fact of the matter is that God is a planner. God is a planner. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So what that means is he has mapped out plans. He has planned. He has mapped out plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. You may say, well, you know what? I don't really feel like it. I don't feel like my life is going anywhere. I'm not living. I'm not living in fruitfulness. I'm not living in prosperity. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing in your life or in your family or in your business or in your career or even in your nation. Whatever you're experiencing, I want to encourage you that God is not yet done with you. Maybe you've had certain expectations that you thought, well, by this stage in my life, I should have fulfilled this. I should have attained this. But I want to encourage you this morning that God is not yet done with you. The fact of the matter is that life happens. Sometimes we are where we are because of the choices we've made. Other times it is because of what people have done to us. Bad things, yes, happen to good people. Sometimes we are just victims of the work of the enemy, of the work of the devil. Whichever category you fall in, I want to remind you that God is still on the throne and your day of restoration is coming. So keep moving, hold on, for God is not a man that he should lie. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. I like that scripture. It encourages us that the promises of God are yes and amen, are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. So whatever promises God has given you, maybe you don't see them, maybe they're not evident in this particular season in your life, but you know what Paul says to the church in Corinth, that yes, those promises are still yes and amen in God. So hold on. In Hebrews 6, 12, it says that you do not become sluggish and imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The promises of God are inherited through faith and through patience. I want to encourage you this morning. God works in seasons. So we need to embrace each season. We need to welcome it and remember that he says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not, 
fear not. I don't know what season you may be in. I don't know what's going on in, in your life currently. But it says here, yeah, fear not for I am with you. God says, fear not in that particular situation for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those are not my words, but the words of God. So God works in seasons and keep holding on. Don't give up. The next key we're going to look at in terms of understanding the seasons of our lives is each season is intended for a specific purpose. So each season in our lives, in my life, in your life, is intended for a specific purpose. And as I was thinking about this, I just thought about the Gospels and the life of the, the disciples, the 12 disciples. It's interesting to see that Jesus, after he chose his 12 disciples for about two and a half years, he took them through a journey, a season of doing certain things with them. He took them through a season of revealing himself to them. So even though, yes, he taught to the crowds, his teachings were also specifically directed to his disciples because he wanted them to, he wanted to reveal himself to them to really show them and convince them that he was truly the Christ, the son of the living God who had come from heaven. And so that's why he would say, you know, even in his teachings, yes, to the crowds, but also directed to these 12 disciples, he would teach them. He would reveal himself by saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection of, and, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. So it was also a season when, you, when he walked with his 12 disciples of, of revealing himself to, that, to them. But not only that, it was a season of personally discipling them. In Matthew 10, from verse 10, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So you'd see that even as Jesus walked with them through this journey, as he walked through them, this was also a season of personally discipling them, teaching them things, answering their, their questions. And with his 12 disciples, it was also a season of practically equipping them. He would send them out to practice the very things that they had seen him do. In Matthew 10, um, it says from verse 5, the 12, uh, these 12 Jesus sent out, commanding them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the, uh, enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, Raise the dead, cast out demons, for freely you have received, freely give. 
So you would also, it was also a season of practically equipping them. It was also a season of giving them his personal assurance. In 1 John 14, Jesus starts to speak to his disciples, these 12, about the Holy Spirit. And he says that my pray, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth and whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells within you and he'll be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to do such incredible assurance. And not only that, but you'd find that even as Jesus went through this, this season of discipling, of revealing himself to his disciples, of giving them his personal assurance that you'd be there for them, it was also a season of being vulnerable with, with them. In Matthew 20, just before his crucifixion, he's praying in the presence of his disciples and he says father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done so even in times when he was going through difficult moments he shared those moments with them and even after the resurrection and before his ascension to heaven he took them through a season of appearing to them and bringing to remembrance some of the things that he had spoken to them, assuring them that he was indeed the risen king. And so what does this all mean? Each season is intended for a specific reason. God, through his manifold or his multifaceted, you know, the Greek term for that um, word is polupepoikilos, which basically means many colors or many shades. So God, through his manifold, multifaceted, polupoikilos wisdom, coordinates. What he does is that he coordinates the seasons of our lives so that he can mold you, he can mold me into the finest tapestry for his purpose and his glory. So what God does is that he choreographs the seasons of your life. He choreographs the seasons of my life into a perfect symphony, a perfect symphony of well thought out melodies, a perfect symphony of well thought out melodies that rise to a crescendo designed to send shockwaves to the enemy's territory. So there is no season in your life or in my life, irrespective of how long, how painful, how unbearable, how confusing, that is significant, insignificant to God, even in the greater scheme of things, and that God cannot use us, cannot use for, to make us become stronger or become better or become wiser or become more resilient. He still uses these seasons for rich glory. So we need to remember, irrespective of what's going on in our lives, that God works in seasons. But not only that, each season is intended for a specific purpose. And my question to you this morning is, when you look at your life, when you look at the season that you're going through, what do you think is the purpose for that specific season? The third key 
we're going to look at in terms of understanding, helping us understand the seasons of God is that each season has its great moments and is to be embraced as a growth phase in our lives. So each season has its good moments, exciting moments. And so we must embrace it as a growth phase um, in our lives. Because often what happens is the moment we talk about seasons, you know, the default is, oh, tough times or struggles or being in the valley. But that's not always the case with seasons. I mean, if, if you live in Southern Africa, where I live, we've just come out of a bitter, very bitter winter. It's been probably the coldest in the last, I don't know how many, how many years. But you know what? We're now beginning to experience spring and we know that summer is coming. So there are also good seasons. There are also seasons that really bring great moments, that bring growth, that bring fruitfulness, flourishing. So each season has its great moments and has to be embraced as a growth phase in our lives. So seasons, they also bring hope or possession of things that we, we hope for. Even when you look at the Israelites, yes, they spent 40 years in the desert, but there, were, there was the promised land to look forward to. I like what it says in Joshua 5, just after the remaining generation, at least those who didn't die in the desert, when they crossed um, into the promised land in Joshua 5, God says to them, God gives Joshua an instruction and he basically said, I want you to circumcise the generation that was born during the desert years and so had not been circumcised. And he says to Joshua something very interesting. He says, circumcise them because this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from, from you. And I really believe that that's also true for our seasons that we go through, that God does roll away certain reproach that we may be going through. And then so Joshua went on to do that. And then in verse 11, it says, and they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the man assist on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna and they ate the fruit, the food of the land of Canaan that year, a new season of fruitfulness, of new things, of new beginnings is what we see here in Joshua 5, that the Israelites were now being ushered into. So seasons do have their great moments. The reproach of this generation was being rolled away and they began to literally take over the promised land their forefathers had spoken of. So we need to understand that seasons can also be, be times of overcoming or times of growth, times of fruitfulness, times of refreshing and flourishing. The next key is that each season can have its challenges. Ooh, each season can have its, its challenges. So sometimes it's possible when you're going through a season, it's possible to feel misunderstood. It's possible to feel alone, isolated, rejected. It's possible to feel hopeless. It's possible to feel like you're in this tunnel with, un, with no foreseeable sight. 
But here's God's promise to us, even in such seasons. In Psalm 34, verse 17, it says, The righteous cry out, The Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. In verse 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him out of them all. So yes, irrespective of how tough a season may be, God delivers us out of that. In Isaiah 43, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not, harm, um, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And that is, that is such a great reassurance from, from God. In Romans 5, it goes on to say in verse 3, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us. And I'm sure you've heard of this term, that rough seas make good sailors. Rough seas make good sailors. We live in a fallen world and tough times will come. There will be hurdles in our lives, in our seasons of life. There will be hurdles to jump over. There will be mountains to climb. There will be walls to bring down. There will be giants, yes, giants to overcome. There will be valleys to endure. And there will be difficult relationships to, uh, to deal with. However, God is still and remains on the throne. So seasons can have their challenges, but we need not lose hope. We need to remember that even through difficult seasons, that God is with us and he's promised in his word, as we saw in Psalm 34, to deliver us out of every obstacle in our lives. The fifth key that we want to look at in terms of understanding the seasons of our life is each season requires destiny helpers. Now, what are destiny helpers? These are God-ordained connectors, men and women of access and influence. They are also burden bearers that are critical in assisting you to arrive at your next level. They are also people of credibility who can become your defenders or speak on your behalf. And so you can leverage off their integrity. They are also holders of certain keys that are crucial that you need in your, in your life to unlock certain things. So you can be so gifted, you can be so intelligent and clued up at so many things, but it's inevitably at some stage in your life, in some season in your life, you will need destiny helpers. I'm reminded of the story in 2 Kings 5. And this is the story of Naaman, the commander of the army of Israel. And this guy, the Bible says in verse 5 that Naaman, the, command, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. 
He was a mighty man of valor, but he had leprosy. He was a leper. And then in the second verse, we see that um, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria and he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from Israel. And basically, if you go through the rest of the story, you will find that because of this servant girl who was in Naaman's household, she basically told the king, she basically told the commander, Naaman, of Elisha, of somebody in Israel who knew how to heal and restore people from, from their diseases. And so eventually what Naaman did was he went and uh, uh, came into contact with Elisha and was told in verse 10, it said, um, and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. And he was clean. He became clean. So Naaman's servant girl was a divine connector, a destiny helper in his life. We also know the story of Jacob in Genesis 41, the story of Jacob and the, the chief butler. And what's interesting is that in, in, in Genesis uh, chapter 41, verse 9, then uh, the king had dreamed, Pharaoh had, uh, had, 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 dream, had a dream that could not be interpreted by anyone. No one, no one was wise enough or had revelation enough to interpret his dreams. And then in verse 9, it says, Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. And he goes on to explain that when he, when he had been in jail, in prison, he came into contact with somebody called Joseph. And this guy was very gifted in terms of interpreting his uh, dreams. And he basically said to Pharaoh, I am so sure this guy is able to interpret this mysterious dream that you have received. In verse 14, it says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you, you can understand a dream and interpret it. And the rest of the story, we know that basically Joseph did go ahead. He interpreted the, dream, the king's dream and the rest became history. So even though the important lesson here is that even though Joseph was gifted in interpretation of dreams, his gift was not of great value in the dungeon in prison. It was only until the chief butler remembered him and made mention of his gift to the king and was called to interpret the king's drift that Joseph rose to power and his life changed, not only changed, but changed forever. 
So the seasons of our lives are such that irrespective of how gifted and anointed we may be, there will be times when you will need divine connectors, maybe as happened with the servant girl to, to Naman, or people of influence, maybe as was the case with the chief butler in relation to, jo to, to, to Joseph. There will be times when you will need those destiny helpers to open certain doors for, for you. That's just how seasons, the seasons of our lives are wired. The next uh, key to remember is that seasons may be times of hiddenness. Seasons may be times of hiddenness. I like what Job says in chapter 3. Uh, 23, Job 23, from verse 8. Verse 8, it reads, Look, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. For he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I cannot see him, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary, my necessary food. So sometimes when God works through the seasons and takes us through the different seasons of our lives, we don't always see it. We don't always feel it. We don't always necessarily recognize what he is doing. But David was uh, anointed, even when David was anointed king, he did not ascend to the throne immediately. He went through more than a number of years, you know, some historians say more than 10 years of just waiting and sometimes running for his life. So seasons of hiddenness are actually God's mechanism to deepen our relationship with him, to pluck out deep-rooted habits and strongholds that hinder us from flourishing in him. We need to know that even through seasons of, of, of hiddenness, that they are to be treasured as they, they're a key instrument in humbling us, in sharpening us in terms of our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The next key is that each season comes to an end. Whew. Each season comes to an end. In Philippians 1, Verse 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So yes, even for Joseph, he left the prison and became one of the most influential men in Israel. The Israelites in Egypt, the Israelites walked through 40 years, but eventually 40 years in the desert, but eventually entered the promised land. The disciples, one season, looked like they were unlikely candidates to impact the world, yes. The next season, we see them in the book of Acts, turning the world upside down for Jesus. Peter, one season, denies Jesus. The next, he leads a powerful church in Jerusalem. Saul, one season, a persecutor of the church. The next, turned Paul, a preacher of good tidings to the Gentiles. 
So we need to embrace the season that we're in. You need to, I want to encourage you to embrace the season that you, you're in. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're experiencing a season of growth, flourishing, prosperity. Super, enjoy it, celebrate it. Maybe you're in transition. Maybe you're in hiddenness. Maybe you're going through the fires, the storms of life. But remember that even in, in even thunderstorms do subside even floods do dwindle that even the harshest winds do quiet quieten down and even sunrise always comes in psalm 30 verse 5 it says weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning so what we've done is we look, we've looked at the different keys that will help us understand the seasons of our lives. But I just want to take a couple more minutes to look at a, a, a battle plan that uh, can help us and, and sustain us through seasons of our lives. So from what we've discussed, it is evident that inevitably we will go through seasons in our lives. And so it is prudent that we have a battle plan in place and here are some of the critical things critical attributes that we can incorporate into the battle plan and obviously this is not an exhaustive list but come up with a battle plan you will transition from one season to the other so you might as well come up with a battle plan and here are some things to consider number one we need to ask god what season we're in and what we should do. We need to ask him to show us the weapons of our warfare that we need to employ in that season. And sometimes, so we need to ask God and say, what exactly are you taking me through? What season is this? You know, how do I come out of it, Lord? How do I uh, walk and venture into it successfully into a manner that you want me to? We need to ask God, like, what are the weapons of, our, of my warfare that I use within this season? Is it thanksgiving? Is it praising? Is it maybe using the word of God in my situations? Is it breaking, uprooting certain things? Is it making decrees, declarations? Is it maybe, you know, going into seasons of heightened level of prayer, heightened levels of intercession? God loves it. When we ask questions, and David was excellent at this. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, David, it says in verse 70, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed king, uh, David king over Israel, they went up to search for him. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. So he inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them? to me and the lord says go up i will doubtless deliver the philistines into your hand david always asked god questions always found out always inquired of the lord whenever he had um, um, a, a decision to make we also know the story in in 1 samuel chapter 30 david and his men have come from war and then when they get home they discovered that everything they had possessed had been taken away their kids their children had been taken away and so in verse 8 it says so david inquired of the lord saying shall i pursue this troop shall i overtake them and he answered him pursue for you shall overtake and recover all. 
So David was in this habit of asking God questions, finding out. So we need to know part of our battle plan as we walk through the different seasons is we need to inquire of the Lord, ask him questions, ask him to show you the weapons of your warfare for that particular season. The second thing we need to include in our battle plan is we need to stand in faith and hope and identify and revive the promises of God in each season for our life and stand on them. We need to be a faithful steward of the promises of God for our lives. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, also verse 6, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. In verse 6 it says, but without faith, it is impossible to, believe, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we need to remember and put in our battle plan. We need to know that we need to stay in faith. We need to stay in hope. We need to stand on the promises of God that is given us and stand on them as we transition between uh, seasons. For we know that God's promises for our life are key weapons that we need in our battle plan for each season. In our battle plan, we also need to remember and, um, you know, remember that Obedience is critical to God. Seasons require us to walk in obedience to the voice of God. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed the, than the fat of rams. So obedience is better than sacrifice. And sometimes what happens with seasons is that we don't need to understand when we won't always necessarily understand every detail along the way. But whatever it may be, whatever we may be experiencing, we need to put in our battle plan. We need to remember that we need to take with us obedience, obeying the voice of the Lord. In that battle plan, the fourth thing is that we need to remember that discipline and consistency are everything. Discipline and consistency are everything. We need to maintain discipline and consistency. So even when it comes to the basic things of a believer's life, we need to stay in the word. We need to be praying. We need to not give up the habit of, of, communing, of being in communion with fellow believers we need to make Jesus the center of our life. We need, uh, you know, someone once said that if you make Jesus a part of your life, your life will be wrecked. Rather, make him the center of it. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking assembling of of ourselves together as is the manner of some. So discipline and consistency are everything. We need to make them form part of our battle plan. 
The fifth thing to include in our battle plan is that the disposition of our heart is critical as we go through season. So we need to walk in patience. This is a critical part of the battle plan. It's one thing to walk through seasons, to be in a season, but if you're impatient, it is highly unlikely that you will achieve or come out of it with everything God has wanted you to come with, out with in that particular season. And remember we said that each season has got its specific purpose. So we need to exercise patience. We need to exercise patience. In Psalm 27, 14, it reads, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What else do we need to include in our battle plan? We need to stay in peace and lean on the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, it reads, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So this is a critical Arab, staying in peace, being in the peace of the Holy Spirit, leaning and relying on the Holy Spirit. We need that to be part of our battle plan as we walk through the different seasons. So what else do we need to include in our battle plan? We need to know which relationships to build and invest in in each season of, of, of our lives. We need to know in this season which relationships do I start or do I nurture or do I terminate? Yeah, certain relationships have to be termi terminated. Don't accommodate baggage. Spend time and invest and build in people who have your best interests at, at heart. So sometimes we need to consider that in, in seasons. What else do we need to include in our battle plan? We need to allow God to mold us. In Jeremiah 18, it says, um, verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my, word, my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look, the clay is in the potter's hands. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So God is waiting to shape and mold us according to his plan and destiny for our lives. So we need to allow him to do that. And finally, let the joy of the Lord be your strength in each season of your life. Yes, some seasons are not desirable, but we need to remember that the joy of the Lord should be our strength, should be what encourages us. So as I conclude this morning, I just want us to, I'm just going to go through a, a couple of declarations and I want to encourage you, I want to encourage, feel free to formulate your own declarations that you will make as God takes you through the seasons of your life and make this part of your, your battle plan. So formulate your own, the declarations that make a sense in your situation, in your life and make them part of your your battle plan. And here are some 
that I'm going to make. I decree and declare that I will always fully embrace all the seasons of my life through the great moments as well as the challenging times. I decree and declare that my God is faithful to raise up destiny helpers that I will require for each season of my life. I decree and declare that I will stand in faith and in hope in God in every season of my life. I decree and declare that God's promises for my life will sustain me through the seasons of my life. I decree and declare that I will walk in full obedience to the voice of God in all seasons of my life. Even though I may not understand every detail along the way, I decree and declare that I'll be disciplined and consistent in reading, meditating on the word of God and praying as I walk through the different seasons of my life. I decree and declare that I will not give up the habit of communing with other believers. I decree and I declare that Jesus will always be the center of my life in every season. I decree and I declare that I walk in patience as I transition from one season to another. I decree and declare that I will stay in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and that I will lean on the Holy Spirit in all seasons of my life. I decree and declare that I will make have the wisdom to build and invest in the right relationships in each season of life. I decree and declare that God will use each season of my life to mold me and shape me into a vessel for his glory. I decree and declare that the joy of the Lord will be my strength, will be what encourages me, will be what pushes me forward, will be what I will hold on to in every season of my life. Amen. May the Lord grant you his unprecedented weapon, his unprecedented wisdom, his unprecedented grace, strength, peace, and joy as you transition through the seasons of your life. God bless you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're the God who works in seasons, Lord. You're the God who walks with us, Father, irrespective of what season that we're walking through. Father God, we thank you that you have given us these seasons of life because they're particular, specific things that you want to achieve through each season, Lord. Father, we pray this morning that you will make us supple, you will make our hearts supple, you will make us receptive, and that will be a people that embrace the seasons of our lives and believe and stand in your word as we go through them. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you.